and good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This is Harrison Smith back with Cinema, brought to you by Dark Matter TV. Dark Matter TV is a streaming platform where you can find not just current genre entertainment and horror, sci-fi, thriller, and action, but also classic content that takes you back to the great old days of late night cable and finding those cult and classic films that they just don't make anymore. Available for download on Android or Apple or visit darkmattertv.com. It's free, it's fun, and it's gonna grow. A recent news article, uh, which I usually post on Twitter in the mornings, uh, caught my attention, and that is, uh, it looks like Perez Hilton is, is back in the news. And this time around, his targets seem to be two sisters, uh, uh, Charlie and, and Dixie D'Amelio. They, they're TikTok stars. And they, they seem to have run afoul of uh, Perez Hilton. And it brought me back to something that I had written on my cinema blog a while ago on Tara Reid. And uh, just just for the disclaimer, I know Tara Reid. Uh, Tara and I are friends. Uh, Tara played my mother in my first film, The Fields, uh, which I did not direct. I, I wrote and produced. It's amazing how Hollywood, with their Me Too and their Time's Up and, and Believe All Women and all of this stuff, everybody's got a really great... Uh, speech to give at, at an award ceremony and wear your black ribbons and your Time's Up pins. But when it comes time to actually standing up for somebody, these assholes just don't say a word and they look the other way and they discount the bullying and harassment and, and abject nastiness that is on the internet as, I guess, you know, part of the game. It's all part of the game. It's the way it works. Can't take the heat. Get out of the kitchen. Or worse journalism. And Tara Reid has been a particular target of the media for, man, over 10 years. And I wrote something about this, and I'm going to support this because I also liken Tara Reid to the legendary actress Clara Bow. Uh, a couple things I want to start out with, and one of them is uh, Tara Reid said in an interview one time, and this is a quote, how many more years are the media going to pick on me? There are other new young bad girls. Move on to someone else. And she said, but I keep working. I keep moving. I'm not going to let these people not let me work because I'm trying to make a living. I'm happy with what I look like. I don't care what people say about it. Sometimes the people it hurts a lot more is someone like my mom. Haters forget you're someone's daughter or you're someone's sister. Uh, I remember her father telling me while we were grilling at their home and he looked at me and he said, the media is trying to kill my daughter. What the hell did Tara Reid do to make people hate her? We've got celebrities out there who have killed people and they're not hated like Tara Reid has been. In the, in the wake of the, the sexual allegations of, of a number of big male stars and executives, I mean, Weinstein just went to jail. Why does Tara Reid continue to get a public drubbing? I want you to understand this. There is a different type of assault and misogyny that gets overlooked and dismissed as the media being the media. And to me, this is no different than the boys will be boys excuse for the reprehensible behavior that's lately come to light in Hollywood or locker room talk. It's the ability to assassinate a woman in the name of entertainment. Google Tara Reid. Read the comments about her under any article. And what you see is, is a professional exercise in misogyny. This nation is so woke over the bullying issue 
then why is it acceptable to bully celebrities in the press and online? Why is it okay to body shame them and be allowed to spew outright venom on a public figure? Most of these targets are women. So let me give you a little background on, on Tara Reid. And I, I met Tara on, on the set of my first feature film, The Fields. And it was a thriller that was based on the true events of my childhood on my grandparents' farm in, in the late summer, early fall of 1973. And I was a producer and writer for the film, as I said. I, I did not direct it. And, and the directors wanted to do a rehearsal. I remember that. On, on her first day on set, they wanted to run through a quick rehearsal with uh, the young boy playing me. And we walked through a scene where, where Tara drops her son off on the farm to Cloris Leachman, where most of the action of the movie takes place. And there was this shrill, like, electronic chirp from someone's cell phone that went off. It was like an alarm. And it interrupted the walkthrough for camera. And one of the film's directors, there were two directors on that film, fumbled to silence his phone. And he checked the screen and, and he laughed. He goes, oh, just a Tara Reid Google alert. And he went to pocket his phone, but Tara stopped him. She stepped out of the group and she walked right up to him and she said, what do you mean, Tara Reid Google alert? And the director, I remember him standing there. He, he kind of looked like he got his hand caught in the cookie jar. He kind of shrugged it off. He didn't kind of, he did. And he explained any time her name made news, it, it sent an alert to his phone. And Tara looked him right in the eye and she said, I am your Google alert. She stepped back to her mark and she resumed working. So let me go a little further because here's a story that the media has never and will never print on Tara Reid. There was this dog on, on one of the farms we shot at and she had been chained to an iron pole and, and the 10 foot chain was so heavy it pulled this poor dog's head down. And the owner told me she was tied to that chain when she was about eight months old and she never left. I'm guessing at that time the dog was about four years old and she had no shelter. The dog slept year round in a ditch alongside the shed that, that was there. I think it had chickens in it at one time. And she had a metal bowl for daily water and food and food was just thrown out in the bowl or on the ground. That was this dog's life. Now I had helped to restore the old farmhouse the summer before shooting and secretly I, I would let the dog off her chain because the owner wasn't there. And she would come into the house with me and I fed her and I played with her. And then I walked her in, in the neighboring fields uh, to let her chase rabbits and grasshoppers. It was so wonderful. And when I would leave at night, that dog would howl when I chained her back to her pole and my car would pull out. It was heartbreaking. So just before the September shoot, I approached the owner uh, and I said, listen, I'll, I'll take your dog. I'll pay you. You know, what do you, what do you want for the dog? I will pay you for the dog. I'll be happy to take the dog off your hands. Now, I have to be careful here because if I piss this guy off, he can kick us right off the property and we just lost a major shooting location. And the guy shook his head and he never even considered my offer. And he said this, and I'm, I'm almost quoting. He said, that dog can die on the fucking chain. She was his property and he wasn't gonna sell her. So one afternoon, I thought I would test my professional relationship with Tara. She was on set and that poor dog was still chained up. And I asked her if she would do me a favor and Tara knowing me said, sure. And she, she said it without even knowing what the favor was. I said, look, just follow my lead. Just act, be an actress. I found the dog's owner outside the house and I walked up to him and I said, hey, listen, you're, you're looking at about a $10,000 fine the next day. 
tomorrow. And he looked at me, he goes, for what? And I said, well, listen, you know, the Humane Society is going to be on set to supervise. We had this big raven that was supposed to play this like crow in the movie. And uh, the raven was specially trained. And this raven was extremely expensive and ended up on Good Morning America only two weeks after we shot this bird out. Listen, you are responsible for the condition of all the animals on this farm, including your dog. And if they see how that dog has been treated, you could face up to a $10,000 fine because that dog follows under the jurisdiction of, of my movie as this is an official movie set. And you could tell like, should he buy this? Like he was looking at me like, what? And and I looked around and I, I mean, I knew the guy was really doubting me and, and he was right. I, I was totally bullshitting him. So I looked at Tara I looked right at her and I said, am I right? And she didn't miss a beat. She looked right at him and she said, yes, I'm afraid that's true. I've, I've seen this happen before many times and, and it could be more than $10,000. So this guy thought about it because, well, it came from a movie star like Tara Reid and he, he just thought about it. You could see the gears turning and then he looked at me and he went, take the fucking dog. And he walked away. <laughs> And I took that dog with me that night. And she lived for another five years in a very comfortable home inside with her own doggy bed near a coal stove. She ate the best food. She got the best care. And she died. She left. I'm going to say this. She left this world far, far better than how she came in. And I will always owe that to Tara Reed. And you will never hear that kind of story about her. It's really interesting if you watch The Fields, there is a scene where I want a Chloris and Tara in a scene together and it's a really great dramatic scene where uh, Tara's character, who was my mom, is kind of reflecting on her own life and uh, the line was, it was never supposed to be like this and Tara said it with such real tears and, and such powerful understated emotion and when she was done, she took me aside and she said, those lines that you wrote mean so much to me because that's how I feel about my life right now. So why Tara Reid? I mean, there are a lot of actors in Hollywood who have taken their lumps in the press. From the advent of the motion picture industry through the present day, the media will devour anyone, and I'm going to show you that with Clara Bow. An older interview with Tara had her rightly reveal this, and I quote, she said, For so many people, it's so easy to hate and to be mean and to hurt you. But you can get through that. People are mean. They want to hate you. But there are a lot of people out there that will support you too. People have to stop judging so much and support each other much more. There is so much meanness and cruelty people have toward each other. You've just got to keep going. There are times you go, why? Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And for some reason, they don't want to. I want you to understand, she said this over 10 years ago. Yes, Tara's made films ranging in both quality and content. I mean, what star hasn't? Name me one star that hasn't had a bomb or a film that, that didn't always measure up to standards. Her official biography tells us she was born in Wyckoff, New Jersey in 1975 to parents Thomas and Donna Reed. She was six years old when she started her film career with a game show appearance, and then she went on to do commercials. She was classmates with Sarah Michelle Gellar and, and Macaulay Culkin, 
And she started her film life as, as a child with the forgettable return to Salem's Lot. Remember that sequel to Salem's Lot, the TV miniseries? It was uh, done by Larry Cohen. She moved on to teen box office hits like American Pie and American Pie 2 and Van Wilder. And, and the industry anointed her the next It Girl. We're going to get into that in a minute because that's a reference to Clara Bow. And she starred in a string of successful box office films like Urban Legend and again, Van Wilder and Cruel Intentions. Uh, so far, what, what has Tara Reid done that hasn't been done by a number of other actresses? By 2003, she was one of the biggest female box office attractions on the planet. With natural golden hair and hypnotic blue eyes, she was an ideal Aryan beauty with the girl next door good looks and subtle sexuality that aroused and also terrified. Her voice brought Lauren Bacall to mind, and just when you thought this package couldn't get any better, she had a brain. I'm going to give you an early account of her intelligence, and, and this is a true story. It's, it's about Tara walking into one of the most powerful talent agencies in the world by herself without legal representation, or at the least a manager, she was the next big thing. And this agency had big plans for her. She was, like I said, that new it girl for the new century, and they wanted her. And she listened, she talked terms, and then she left without a commitment. She stated she had to think about their offer and she would make her own decision on her own time schedule. Can, can you imagine that? I mean, this girl was so young. She walks in with no one, not even her parents. And she walks in and tells one of the biggest talent agencies in the world, I'll get back to you. Here's how I connect Tara and Clara Bow. British author, screenwriter, and the first woman to address the market for female erotic fiction, Eleanor Glynn, coined the phrase, it in her 1927 novel of the same name. A passage from the novel defines the it concept. I'm going to read it to you. Here it is. To have it, in quotes, the fortunate possessor must have that strange magnetism which attracts both sexes. In the animal world, it demonstrates in tigers and cats, both animals being fascinating and mysterious and quite unbiddable. It is the quality possessed by some which draws all others with its magnetic force. With it, you win all men if you are a woman, all women if you are a man. It can be a quality of the mind as well as a physical attraction. Glynn was a threat to the male establishment, moving to Hollywood to write scripts, and she is credited with rebooting actress Gloria Swanson from the trite starlet into an image of cool sexual sophistication. Eleanor scared the hell out of men and women, with her it being the power of sexual liberation at a time of great repression. The word it was adapted into a euphemism for sex appeal, and the safe word in 1920 social circles, she has it, instead of saying she is sexy. The silent film adaptation of Glynn's novel was a major box office smash and turned its star, Clara Bow, into a Hollywood legend and the first It Girl. Tara Reid was labeled an It Girl after her fourth number one box office hit in a row and became a major sex symbol for the late 90s and early millennium. Clara Bow broke onto the scene after winning a screen test 
uh, it was like in 1921 at the age of 16. And she appeared in her first role in Beyond the Rainbow and then solicited studios for parts. After working Broadway and, and mulling about the industry, she left New York for LA, leaving her father and her boyfriend behind. She was that independent woman, beautiful and smart and didn't need a man to validate her life. She smoked, drank, and she had sex on her terms. This put her in the crosshairs of the male studio moguls who wanted to leash Clara Bow. By 1927, she was at the top of her game with a list of solid box office hits at 22 years old. Sound familiar? Bow was the most powerful girl in Hollywood. Her independent flair and penchant for speaking her mind did not sit well in social circles. It was a box office smash and of course gave her the title as the It Girl and set the standard for others after her. Her presence at Hollywood social parties and galas was rejected by Hollywood's women. That's right, the women closed ranks. She was even seen as a negative factor at her own premieres where her wild antics and perceived bohemian lifestyle proved too much even by Hollywood standards. Clara Bow was the first true party girl and she managed to piss pretty much everyone off around her in Hollywood. Clara Bow, no matter how great her popularity, was a lowlife and a disgrace to the community. Bo's continued box office success and popular culture impact only enraged her enemies while film critics continue to praise her beauty and, and dynamic energy and her ability to captivate on screen. She refused to be corralled by the Hollywood agent system, firing agencies and managers at will, and in the process, burning a number of bridges along the way. Tara Reid will do this as well. She will fire her reps. She will piss people off on her way up. And the problem is, there are a shitload of people waiting for you on your way down. Bo's power in silent films did not transition well to talkies. Bo's first talking motion picture, The Wild Party, was a flop. However, critics praised Bo in saying that her voice suited her image. She rebounded and her films continued financial success. And her enemies were not happy at her quick recovery and even more enraged over the critical praise for Bo's voice. Her jealous female detractors had the ears of the male power brokers and studio moguls and began to close ranks in a concerted effort to bring down Clara Bow. So let's look at, uh, you know, urban legends starring Clara Bow since they want to bring her down and kill her. If ever a star was made by public demand, it was Clara Bow. Are you seeing the connection to Tara Reid? Bo had a penchant for dating her co-stars, directors, and producers. Paramount Pictures, the studio that, that Bo kept healthy with her revenue stream, quickly moved to capitalize on Bo's raucous image and had their publicity department feed the press with stories of her loves, her flings, her flirtations, and wild times. Holy shit, this is social media before social media was around. Bo was introverted and leaned toward being a recluse, very much like Tara Reid. She slowly gave in and took on the job as being Paramount's wild child. Uh, here's another quote about Bo. She had been a child of poverty and neglect and had suddenly come into money, fame, and if not business or political power, at least an understanding of her own sexual power. She became known for her very colorful off-screen life and was eventually brought low by scandal. Her many love affairs, madcap adventures, and careless, sometimes drunken exploits were well known. Holy shit, you can take that quote and apply it directly to Tara Reid. Bo's adventures, I put in quotes here, paled in comparison to the exploits of her fellow Hollywood stars, especially the male ones. 
Rumor and innuendos spread by the female power base fanned the flames of alleged scandals and brought heightened awareness to the genuine crises and issues that the Beau faced. Stories of lesbianism, threesomes, foursomes, orgies, bestiality, dalliances with male and female prostitutes, they all swirled around her with none of them being able to be proven. Hollywood required immense amounts of fuel for the publicity machine it created, and Bo's issues were blown out of proportion and hyped with outright slander. Again, Tara Reid. A trash tabloid called The Coast Reporter back in the day, kind of like an early you know, National Enquirer, took the already period myths about Clara Bo and added a few others of their own, namely incest, drug addiction, alcoholism, and, and Bo's contraction of, of at least one venereal disease. I think they said she had like three or four. The publisher attempted to blackmail Bo, uh, promising to cease printing such stories in exchange for $25,000. The guy was arrested by federal agents and sentenced to eight years. That's what they should be doing to some of these assholes today. By the late 1920s, Clara Bow found herself overworked to the point of mental and emotional exhaustion. Again, Tara Reid. Paramount turned on Bow as well in the face of, of public disdain for the star's headlines. In a way to break down the emotionally frail actress, they started this like mind screw comprised of canceling her films, docking her pay, uh, charging her for unreturned costumes, and insisting that she pay for her publicity photographs. They were running this girl through the ringer. She had made a major nervous breakdown at the age of 25 and she was institutionalized. A conspiracy to assassinate Clara Bow is not hyperbole or crazy, nor is it to say the same about Tara Reid. Clara Bow continued to fight mental issues for the remainder of her life, checking in and out of treatment centers, and she even endured shock therapy. She permanently retired from acting to raise her two sons. I don't want to be remembered as somebody who couldn't do nothing but take her clothes off, she said after turning 28 years old. Holy cow, 28. Clara Bow died in September of 1965 alone while watching television. Tara Reid is not the only actor to be singled out. She is not the only actress to suffer bad press or viewed as hunted or picked upon. That, that I want to make clear. Women have been punished and suffered far worse in the entertainment industry than their male counterparts. So Tara Reid, I mean, let's go back to her. She appeared on the scene just at the time of another power shift where Bo appeared at the time of uh, silent films transitioning into talkie films and media, uh, a rising Hollywood entertainment media was, was coming onto the scene. Tara Reid was coming into the scene with a whole new power shift. The internet was making inroads into the homes of average Americans by the, the mid to late 1990s, just around the time that Tara was rising to the top. As AOL and Yahoo were becoming household fixtures, Google was becoming a corporation worthy of a James Bond villain. It would affect more lives than any of the old Hollywood gossip rags and tabloids combined. I have never seen such venom as the hate campaign against Tara Reid. Many can argue that previous targets, Britney Spears or, or Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, they all suffered the same, if not more. But I disagree. In fact, I am going to show that Tara Reid has done far less than any of her contemporaries or even stars decades before her to deserve such hatred. I will also show that her male co-targets outdid her in almost every moral and legal venue and not only rebounded, many thrived in their celebrated comebacks. 
This is not about whether you quote unquote like her or hate her. You don't know her to like or hate her. You just go by whatever the media prints. It's not about the quality of her films and what was good or bad. It is about a critical approach, critical thinking to see if the punishment fits the crime and what, if any, crime was committed. I found this interesting chart. It's uh, on Tara Reid's Star Meter from Internet Movie Database, IMDb, and you can find it in the show notes so you can look at it. So I'm, I'm going to give you a little breakdown. You can't see it while you're listening, but all you have to do is look at it. And I put that in here because it's showing actual data to support my claim here. So when you go to look at this, the blue stars represent public and televised appearances. The yellow stars are theatrical film releases. The news topics begin with progress on Reed's career, but slowly turn toward her party girl antics. If you follow the graph from left to right, you see a steady incline as Reed's films score higher and higher with audience and box office success. Beginning with 98's The Big Lebowski, Reed's star brightened with Urban Legend and Cruel Intentions, but it spiked with the release of The First American Pie. From there, the chart shows her at the top flecked with a variety of news articles and projects and appearances. The meter shows one of the first signs of trouble in October 2001 with an article from WENN when, on a handbag search, Reed did not take kindly to. This is where it seems to start. So listen to this quote from this article. It says, Tara Reed lived up to her reputation for being difficult at a recent Hollywood bash. The American Pie 2 star joined a host of Tinseltown celebrities at the Los Angeles one-year anniversary for the Sony PlayStation 2 game console. But while most stars were happy to allow extra security checks, that meant they handed over their handbags before entering the event, according to the New York Daily News, Tara moaned and groaned at the idea of having to abandon her purse. She even asked to speak with a manager at the St. Regis Hotel in a desperate attempt to get special treatment. And when this failed, she instructed her female companion to put your purse in mine before waltzing off to join fellow celebs like Courtney Cox and Thora Birch. A December 19th, 2003 WENN article shows an escalation. American Pie Wild Child, notice the, the uh, descriptors they use of Tara Reed. difficult, now she's a wild child. Uh, American Pie Wild Child, Tara Reed's attempts to ditch her image as a party girl have failed miserably. After she was spotted inebriated and behaving badly at an Atlantic City, New Jersey nightclub, the blonde bombshell was enjoying a night out with pals at the Mix Bar, where fellow celebrities Beyonce Knowles and Jennifer Lopez were also partying. According to website page6.com, Tipsy Tara had a little too much to drink and accidentally bumped into club promoter Keith Collins, who she reportedly tried to grope. On witnessing her raunchy behavior, her unnamed male companion allegedly grabbed her by the arm and marched her out. So as early as 2001, Reed had a quote-unquote reputation for quote-unquote being difficult, according to the handbag article. By the time the 2003 article was written, she was trying to reform her party image. So what happened just before 2001 and afterwards to 2003 to earn so much hatred, she will become the Tinseltown pariah. 
Apparently, the powers that be didn't care all that much when her films were making money. So that's what I'm saying. So what did she do? Okay, so so what? She didn't want her handbag checked. Oh, she got a little drunk and she might have flirted with somebody. So going through archived articles all the way back to 1997, which I did before Reed was a name in Hollywood and certainly not an it girl. The earliest data I found on her parting reputation started somewhere around 1999. And that coincides with the release of American Pie. I remember Tara telling me she shocked her own mother when she made her infamous proposal to Jeff Bridges in, in The Big Lebowski. And, and all of you know what she said. It's a famous line now. I mean, she played Bunny Lebowski, the, the young party girl trophy wife whose character eerily foreshadowed Tara's image as, as success bore down on her. Uh, the Coen Brothers film was a mild box office hit, but it, but it gained more of a, a video cult status for Bridges' portrayal of, of the slacker, the dude. Reed's on-screen time amounts to an extended cameo, and, and she's talked about more than she's seen. But her line became part of, of the ether, and Tara was on her way. I mean, it, it just rocketed her. She had major roles in Urban Legend and Cruel Intentions, but it was American Pie that made her the it girl. Tara reached this level of Hollywood power at the age of 24, just like Clara Bow. I'm going to use 1999 as the year of, of Reed's kind of slide in, into hatred. She was going up the roller coaster at this time, ready to go over the hump on that first thrilling plunge. America was seeing an end to the Clinton roaring 90s, but the economy and housing bubble continued to swell. There was a general feel-good atmosphere despite the turmoil Clinton's personal life brought to the political scene. And, you know, after a parade of women in Clinton's White House exposed by Ken Starr's lurid investigation of the Lewinsky scandal, translated to many as, as racy, softcore porn, like a dime novel, and, and most Americans were willing to kick up their heels and loosen up for their entertainment. And, and that's a reason why I think American Pie did so well. The internet, on the other hand, was, was graduating from baby steps and, and online celebrity sites and entertainment magazines and, and outlets began to populate the dot-com universe. Old school rags like Star Magazine and, and the National Enquirer, they, they were competing with upstart online columnists through something called a weblog or blog. Now someone could snap a picture and upload it to their blog or, or site almost instantaneously. Smartphones were still a little ways off, while the tabloids, being a little slow in the uptake, found themselves outfoxed by individuals. No longer could a handful of entertainment scandal sheets control coverage in Hollywood. The law could not keep up with the rapid transformation of how we got or shared our information. A new sheriff was needed as, as music file sharing. Remember Napster took the first hit in regards to copyright violation. And the internet would, would be the end of the music industry and the new DVD format and, and a source of contention for actors, writers, and, and all of Hollywood as the industry struggled to find a new way to make money and fight pirating. You know, around this time, the First Amendment, it got a kick in the balls and in, in the rush to be first rather than right, online publications gunned each other down for the scoop and, and worried about the consequences later. Legal loopholes allowed accusations and slander and libel to, to take on the moniker of free speech. That's what people did. They hid behind that. Celebrities were hunted by a new raptor-like paparazzi and a trivial outing could now be a fiasco where an exposed nipple, inadvertent underwear exposure, a, a hint of cellulite or, or leaving home without makeup could become major headline grabbing news. 
Look, back in the day, old school print letters to the editor were screened. When, when, when controversial material was published, there was a paper trail accountability, you, you know, no matter how flawed the process. With the addition of common areas on digital articles and the ability to post instant responses to online blogs, the democratization of, of speech translated into allowing anyone with an opinion to post whatever they wanted, despite how venomous, proving difficult, if not impossible, to regulate, let alone litigate. These commentators could hide anonymously behind fake names as they pontificated and spouted their views in venom. This allowed the ignorant of voice and license to spread false information and post outright hate speech and slanderous defamatory material. There was a diluted self-righteousness that allowed them to judge. Imagine if the public had the ability to watch Clara Bow's every move and comment on it instantly with their words spreading worldwide in seconds. The internet gave new power to the angry and disenfranchised. Now everyone was a critic, just as in a few years the digital revolution would allow talentless amateurs to believe they were real filmmakers and musicians. Anyone with a blog, vlog, or podcast could pass judgment with anonymity. I found very few early articles chiding Tara Reid for her bad girl behavior. On the contrary, it appears to have looked fun or even cute by the industry. And there was little outcry against her partying antics while her films were making money. The controversial headlines increased in proportion to Tara Reid's star power. Tara Reid was smart enough to make her own decisions and take responsibility for her actions, no matter how many people around her contributed to her chaotic lifestyle. She was also known for her shyness and awkwardness in social situations. In fact, overall, she is a recluse. She admitted to being a terrible dancer and found alcohol to be a way to bring down social inhibitions while allegedly believing it helped her insomnia. I have sleeping problems, so I would drink to pass out and sleep, she said once in an interview. She found herself divulging too much about her personal life, believing if she were honest, the media would respect her for it. She found too late that this would not be the case. The moment she opened up about her sensitivity, she was a target. And I quote, So maybe when people started asking questions about my personal life, I shouldn't have given so much information. That comes directly from Tara Reid. So if partying and having a wild child lifestyle is a crime, well then Drew Barrymore makes us all look like pussies. You see, Americans have short memories, and in the pre-internet era, they forgot that Drew Barrymore paved the way for the modern bad girl lifestyle. Barrymore started party hopping when she was like seven. Coming from the acting Barrymore pedigree, she was allegedly an alcoholic by the age of nine. The accounts vary. Doing cocaine by 11, her first suicide attempt was at 12, and she was in rehab by age 13. Her second suicide attempt was at 14. She has been photographed drunk in public, posed nude, flashed her bare breast to David Letterman, and waged a public war for emancipation when she was just a teen from her parents. A headline from the London Evening Standard in August 2010 says, People should shut up about my wild past. I'm proud of it. Why wasn't Drew Barrymore hated? Here's what one reporter said in an interview. This reporter said, I gesture at the clippings on the table and say I'm exhausted reading about her wild child past. Does she ever lose patience talking about it? In this interview, Drew nodded angrily and said, you should have heard this bitch I had to do an interview with before you. God, I wanted to punch her. She would not drop the youth thing. 
I have no problem talking about it. I am not someone who is ashamed of my past. I'm actually really proud. I know I made a lot of mistakes, but they in turn were my life lessons. It's actually good to get it done young and have a great life later. But yeah, man, I wanted to rip this woman's face off. She just would not shut up about it. In that interview, Drew's pretty pissed. A lot more pissed than Tara Reid during her handbag search, wouldn't you say? Or when Jenny McCarthy took pot shots at her on her radio show, remember that? When Jenny McCarthy was an asshole to Tara Reid and threw some Sharknado dig at her as Tara Reid got up and walked out because McCarthy was talking about her wild child past? Where was the public outcry against Drew Barrymore for threatening violence against a reporter? Well, I'm sure it helps when you're close with Steven Spielberg and he's your godfather. Drew Barrymore paid her penance, and despite the Hollywood blacklisting, she was waitressing, I think, at age 17 after a string of box office flops and she was still hell-raising. She made a deserved comeback and straightened her life out. She has a successful production company, is respected within the industry. Uh, How much of this rehabilitation is due to greater powers like Steven Spielberg or actress Sophia Loren and, and rocker David Crosby? Well, that's unknown. From what it's worth, every time I see Barrymore in a commercial or in another film, I'm grateful she's still with us. She is a survivor. And with whatever degree of help, she is still standing. Drew Barrymore, in a dark way, had the fortune to self-destruct before it could be exploited by the internet. She had the perfect timing to disappear and rehabilitate during the digital age for the entire world to see she was a girl done good. As Drew was mending and licking her wounds in the mid-1990s, Tara Reid was revving up and the whole world was going to watch. Early articles of partying served the publicity machine and those invested into Tara Reid. Why would anyone want to stop her? Tara generated free press and living her films for all to see was good for business. Tara found herself in the company of some influential power brokers like Michael DeLuca, Brett Ratner, Sean Puff Daddy Combs, and a host of celebrity socialites that reinvented partying for the internet audience. I remember reading an article in the New York Times about Brett Ratner and everybody was praising him for Rush Hour. At that time, Rush Hour was a big deal and they were out having some big party. It was around Oscars time. And and they just made it, it was so great that Brett was out drinking and partying and he was so drunk and uh, he, he didn't know what to do about going home. Do you take this car or whatever? And it was just boys being boys talk is basically what the article was. Now, I noticed that if Tara Reid went out and drank, well, she's a whore and a bimbo and, and everything else. But if Brett Ratner does it, well, he's just one of the boys and having fun as boys do. And then there was another famous story, and this is true, of a very famous executive. And I won't name that person here. But there was a big Oscar party at this huge celebrity's house. And this studio executive went to this party and in the middle of everybody sitting at this party, got a blowjob, okay, right there in front of everyone. And that was deemed as he doesn't give a damn about anything. Look at him. He takes life and he seizes it. That's okay because a guy did it. The point is the nation was on the verge of swinging back to a more conservative state of mind around 2000 with the election of George W. Bush. False conservatives were everywhere preaching family values in the wake of the Columbine massacre and calling for a return to American morals, whatever the hell that is. Hollywood was not immune. And while some sections of the town battened down for the oncoming storm, other liberals donned their conservative sheep's clothing to ride it out. 
The September 11th attacks threw the country into a hard right tailspin. The political and cultural landscape changed and suddenly America found itself in a neoconservative tsunami where power was given to conservative political pundits with newfound celebrity and Fox News overtook every other broadcast and family values groups like Parents Television Council and Focus on the Family hijacked pop culture in their bid to sanitize our culture for the sake of the children. The demand for Hollywood to clean up its act since the Columbine school shootings went into overdrive in the wake of 9-11. If Hollywood wouldn't do it itself, these new celebrity moral groups would do it for them. The antics of Hollywood's wild children will will now came under scrutiny and, and studio heads and executives feared backlash. Now the thing shifted back to the right and everything was conservative and demand for a return to values. The very stars that Hollywood created in, in the image of the wild child, well, now they need to rein them back in. By 2000, Tara Reid was romantically linked and not accurately to a number of male celebrities, just like Clara Bow. But she made a serious mistake in linking up with the Dick Clark of Generation Y, Carson Daly. Daly was the host of MTV's wildly popular, if you remember, Total Request Live, TRL. The show was a springboard for pop talent and soon through the crossing of entertainment streams, Daly and Reed began dating. Public backlash was almost immediate, mostly through poison blog posts and internet comments from preteen girls who felt robbed of their vanilla male fantasy. Reed was assailed as Tara Rude and described as ugly, disgusting, and there were open calls for her to die. Reed and Daly's relationship became the stuff of tabloid dreams and studios took a sigh of relief to see that their golden goose was now making headlines for her romance woes rather than for her partying nightlife. Reed's party life was reported on an almost daily basis, creating a small cottage industry for the new media. Tara was offered the lead role in Josie and the Pussycats, but turned it down, rightly believing if the film failed, it would be perceived as her movie. Instead, she opted for the secondary, lighter role of cartoon ditz Melody, the band's drummer. The movie was a bomb and Reed survived, but it was proof that the wild child was not impervious to failure. The lump she received put enough blood in the water to draw the sharks living vicariously through her life via the internet. Reed needed to get back into the boat and American Pie 2 was the life raft. Aside from over-glorified partying, which, which never has yet to result in any kind of legal action, I mean, as far as I know, Tara's never been arrested or even cited. If you click on the link in my show notes, you can read all kinds of, of headlines about Tara. All of them about from Lizzie Grubman to, uh, you know, her partying and all of that stuff. And uh, here is a quote right here I'm going to use, and that is the almost daily coverage of Tara's social life in the tabloids has included her engagement and subsequent breakup last year with Carson Daly. Everyone is forgetting I have done 15 movies, says Reed, who co-starred in both American Pie movies and Josie and the Pussycats. People take quotes when I say work hard and party hard and just print party hard. The 26-year-old actress says, but the one thing I care more about than anything is my work ethic. And I'm going to tell you, she was 1,000% professional on the set of the fields. She showed up, did her job fantastic. She was cordial and great to everyone on set, eating lunch with with the crew. There were never any issues with Tara Reid. Now, a lot of people can cite Alone in the Dark as a reason to hate her. And yeah, all right, it was a bad monster movie. But every great actor has their share of box office duds. Tom Hanks had the man with one red shoe. 
He had volunteers and bonfire the vanities. And Bruce Willis had that shitty Hudson Hawk and that really awful The Story of Us. And Harrison Ford detonated a bomb with the Mosquito Coast and Sabrina and a profitable bomb in, in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Come on, that was really good. Alone in the Dark was Tara Reid's movie, and it was a high-profile project allegedly paying the biggest paycheck to her yet. Reid scored another hit in 2002 with Ryan Reynolds in, in Van Wilder, and she was solid A-list. She was a power girl, and she was getting over $1 million a movie. Everybody admits on set that, that Alone in the Dark was plagued with problems from, from the script to the director, the whole thing. And there is no question that Reed was miscast in this movie. I mean, she's not the first to be miscast. And I would like to think, you know, the idea was to cast her against type. By making her an anthropologist type scientist, she would gain some respect and maybe show some range. Perhaps the review, I, I can't remember the author that made me wince the most about Alone in the Dark. It was one word, and the word was terrible, using her name to destroy her own movie. The attacks on the film are just. However, to the internet audience, no one cares about the behind-the-scenes issues. What matters is what plays up on that screen, and to be fair, it is what these actors get the big bucks for. If you're going to put yourself out there and accept big bucks for a high-profile movie, you better make sure you read that script. It wasn't long before objective, professional reviews turned personal attacking Reed for her alleged plastic surgeries, and then outright barbs of alcoholism and drug-induced behavior. No actor in the film took shots like Tara Reed. She was thrown to the wolves, and this time she was torn apart. She was the spoiler of Alone in the Dark. Not Christian Slater, not the director, not any of her male counterparts. It was Tara Reed who took the full blame for Alone in the Dark, and she never recovered from it. The film failed, and her brief stay on the A-list was over. Her partying annex took over, and, and now older with more money, they all increased in intensity. She signed on to that ill-fated E-Channel disaster, Taradice, if you remember that. It was the E-Channel like uh, live reality show about party places around the world, which I think that was canceled in less than a year. It became more fuel for tabloids and late-night comedy TV. An e-Hollywood true story promised to be a turning point in her downspin, but instead was edited to highlight Reed as a self-destructive mess and contributed to her further decline. It was a hit job. In 2005, after publicly refuting plastic surgery, the front of her dress fell down at a birthday party for Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, whatever you want to call him. Her left breast was left exposed to show fresh surgery, and she was humiliated, and the press jumped on the fact that she was delayed in reacting to the famous slip of the dress. Reed tried to respond why she had to justify her dress slipping is beyond me by saying with a flood of camera flashes and numbness from pain medication for the surgery, her reaction time was delayed. Who cares? Accusations of being stoned, drunk, or just stupid were everywhere and added to Reed's humiliation. She was forced to admit she did plastic surgery. She's the only one and found herself stalked by the press awaiting further wardrobe malfunctions. There was a new kind of photo genre big on the internet at that time, and that was the exposed private parts shots. Shots of Reed getting out of a car, a plane, sitting down all for a sneak of her panties, or, or hopefully without them, became tags with her name. How is this not some form of sexual harassment? I'd really like to know. It was the war of the bad girls as Paris and Brittany and Lindsay and Tara became the focus of the media. He had Tara taking the brunt of all this while Brittany attacked 
uh, the press in an SUV with an umbrella and, and Lindsay, she was arrested and fired and she shut down movies and TV shows and she was even arrested again and she announced very publicly she was experimenting in lesbianism. I mean, Reed was in free fall though and by 2007 had not seen a theatrical release of one of her movies since Alone in the Dark. She was now a Hollywood pariah. The business that made her, that reaped hundreds of millions in profits from her image, abandoned her. Old friends and powerful executives she once drank champagne with and partied at their homes and hugged at premieres and kissed in restaurants now all denied her. Reed withdrew from the scene. She tried to stay off the radar while being openly humiliated by the likes of Perez Hilton. And also she became the subject of various online video sites that replayed her exposed breasts, denial to the club, drunken New Year's countdowns, and avoiding paparazzi in the streets. In 2008, she checked into Promises Rehabilitation Center for exhaustion, alcohol, and drug-related issues. The vultures were circling, ladies and gentlemen, and, and the media was now openly wondering if Tara's career could recover, and if so, how? And that is how I met Tara Reed. As I said, I wanted her to play my mother in the fields. I thought she was a fine actress and had a terrific voice. Tara was conscientious. She emailed me regularly with questions on her character about my mother and how she would portray her. I open this piece with the anecdotes of Tara's first day on set. And so I'll end it with this. A horror website came to the fields, to the set. They wanted interviews, and besides the celebrities, they wanted one with me, as this was my true story. The Fields is based on, on real events that happened to me as a boy. I wrote it, I was shooting it in my hometown, and I had the real deal on the project. I was outside watching the crew set up the next shot when one of the reporters approached me. She was very nice and polite, and she asked if she could interview me. No, she thought I was joking, and asked again in a no, seriously, Harrison kind of tone. I didn't smile and I said it again. I had no interest in being interviewed, even if it helped my film. I told her this. One of my stars is sitting inside that farmhouse right now. You guys have written some pretty nasty personal things about her. I understand professional criticism, but what you and some others on your staff wrote went beyond personal. If you walk in there and give her a sincere apology for your magazine, I'll give you a great interview with details no one on this set can tell you. To her credit, that reporter and, and her photographer went inside and gave a sincere apology to Tara Reed, and I granted the interview. So now I ask, after all of this, just what has Tara Reed done? When you look at the history of accusations and headlines, what did this woman do to incur such backlash and online hatred and scorn? Compare her to her male counterparts, and the bottom falls out of the tub. This is Harrison Smith. Thank you for listening. I look forward to talking with you next week. And in the meantime, stay safe, take care. Check out my cinema blog on horrorfuel.net and download Dark Matter TV for your Apple or Android devices.